This program is brought to you by the Genesis Communications Network, a world leader in talk radio since 1998. Visit GCNlive.com today. for a balloon from China that was bugging all of us hovering over Montana now is shot down over the weekend. Hey, remember, Valentine's Day is coming up. I know this is a weird thing, but you won't believe how many people eat candy hearts I found out over the weekend. Shocking. Kate Delaney, hope you had a fabulous weekend. Let's just dive right into it because the thing that all of us are talking about is the wacky, insane, crazy balloon that showed up in Montana that... um, uh, you know, the, the, he's created a huge firestorm because it's a Chinese surveillance balloon that floated across the continental U.S. I mean, you want to talk about mistrust, you want to talk about tension, you want to talk about problems between two powers, us and them. Uh, the U.S., of course, coming down on China after the balloon was detected over Montana. Then there was some debate about should it be shot down. A lot of uh, a lot of people on the Hill, especially Republicans, thought that Biden didn't do the right thing, that they should have shot it down. But then there were questions about what kind of debris would it spread and on and on. Uh, the U.S. did shoot it down over the Atlantic Ocean on Saturday. If you haven't seen the video, do yourself a favor. Go to your search engine, your favorite search engine, and look it up. Andy Blinken, the Secretary of State, canceled a trip to Beijing planned for this week. So he did call China's top foreign policy official and they want to continue the communications, apparently. So China registered what they call strong and discontent and protest over what they described as an excessive reaction. Are you kidding me? Excessive reaction? They have a spy surveillance balloon? If we did that, do you think they would shoot down our balloon? Hello. Uh, they claimed that the balloon was a civilian research airship blown off course, not a tool for surveillance. I want to know how many of you believe that, number one, and do you think if we had a similar thing happen in China that they wouldn't shoot it down? Take my unofficial poll. Just go to Kate Delaney at katedelaneyradio.com. Click on contact and tell me what you think. So I guarantee I know what I'm going to get back on this. So here's the thing. Did it pose a serious military or intelligence threat to the U.S.? There's no big indication of that because we had everything locked down. But certainly it's a symbolicish flight. It added problems, volatility, if you will, to a really shaky relationship that is a pressing challenge, and no doubt. And I'll say it again. Do you think they would have shot down our balloon? And, of course, we know what the answer is. The answer is yes, 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 and yes. All right, all right you want some good news? Because we're going to talk about this all week long, and we're going to have different guests on, because uh, this is the most fascinating story ever. Um the U.S. unemployment rate dropped to its lowest level since 1969. So that's good news, right? Of course it's good news. We don't want to see high numbers. I think it was very, very unexpected. We know that after several months of cooling, the economy 
added, you know, five hundred seventeen, uh, you know, thousand jobs, five hundred seventeen thousand jobs in January. That's a lot. So strong hiring hints at more work ahead. Um, the wages thing is the thing that you look at, though. But the fact that those jobs were added is is a good thing, even as businesses across the country hired with unexpected, uh, as I read somewhere, zeal, that's a good word to use, wage growth slowed slightly to 0.3% compared with December. So there is that indication that some of the pressure to lure employees with pay raises could be easing up. That's the problem. The problem was, oh, how do we keep people? How do we, you know, how do we get people? We have to pay the top dollar. So maybe that's um, changing. And this is something that we, of course, talk about and watch on this show. And this, you know, we'll continue to see what obviously happens as we get closer to the end of the quarter. And then we jump into the second quarter of 2023. I want to talk about this story because I want to give you the payoff to this. I want to talk about the story about the candy hearts. I mean, Valentine's Day, what I call the forced day of love, right? It's the forced day of love. Uh, So Americans will spend 25.9 billion on Valentine's Day this year. I want to say this number again, so not to mess it up and not to, I mean, it blows my mind. 25.9 billion. So somebody's buying a lot of those candy hearts, and apparently that is a thing. I mean, how much is spent on the candy hearts? And apparently it's a lot. And those candy hearts have been around forever. I mean, I can, can you remember, and I don't know if, if most of you, depending on your age, but I, I don't even think, I, I think you could go back to anyone listening to the show who could be, 70 plus or 80 or somebody in their 20s or 30s and there was that thing that when you went to school you had to have a box of a box of valentines and you would fill them out for everybody in the class and everybody would hand them out so it's pretty interesting the the small hearts actually started in the 1900s more than 8 billion sweetheart candies are sold in the six weeks leading up to valentine's day eight billion. That's crazy. So, I mean, of course, they're on the shelves everywhere, wherever you go, you, you can you can find them. And, you know, there's all kinds of chocolate, but I'm talking about, you know, I'm talking about the things that have text me, be mine, all mine, that kind of thing. And I knew they'd been around for a long time, 1900s. And that was a candy that was, you know, handed out, uh, was handed out a lot because it was cheap, easy. And then there were people that didn't like chocolate, which seems like almost criminal to not like chocolate. But there are definitely people who don't like chocolate. And as I I sit here doing this, I, I have a thing on my computer. I have a thing on my computer of the Chinese balloon being shot down. And I have to tell you, it is so crazy to watch this. I I really watch this over and over again. Talk about taking a shot and hitting it. And then people that were on the beach in in Myrtle Beach, because that's where it came down, they, um, you know, they could see the balloon coming down. And the idea was it's in the water, so it's not going to, it's not going to hurt anything. It's not going to, 
hit anything because this massive white orb had the payload the size of three coach buses and it had already been floating in and out of American airspace for three days. So obviously there was huge concern over it and the decision of what do we do with this. So just torn the good old USA and um, when you see it, when you see it coming down, it is just it's just like a pop right shoot it down like shoot it down and poof there it goes and it uh, it again it happened on saturday in the afternoon and then it created this kind of diplomatic scramble if you will and of course there's going to be more political backlash here and there's going to be um more conversation about it from the uh the China perspective. Hey, one other quick note. I got to say this. Kyrie Irving traded from the Brooklyn Nets to the Dallas Mavericks. The um, Brooklyn Nets guard dished over the weekend. Remember, there were a lot of things that happened to me. He posted a link to a document, uh, him rather, they posted a, he posted a link to a documentary on Twitter that contained anti-Semitic messages. He defended the tweet, refused to apologize. He was suspended um, for eight games, and then he came back and he apologized. And uh, uh, that never really healed. So now he is dished to Dallas. All right, stay with us. We're going to go to your mailbag next for your thoughts. If you're concerned about the power grid and want to generate your own supply of off-grid electricity, this will be the most important message you'll hear this year. Here's why. We now have a small number of solar generators back in stock. These emergency backup systems provide life-saving backup power when you need it most. And unlike gas generators, solar generators run quietly, emit no dangerous fumes, and produce an endless supply of free electricity from the sun. Whether it's wildfires, dangerous weather, power grid issues, or just getting off the grid, you'll never have to suffer through painful power outages again. Even better, all this week, radio listeners get over $700 in free off-the-grid bonuses, too. Go to MySolarBackup.com to learn more and check availability. That's MySolarBackup.com. Look for the free report, Crisis Cooling, how to make absolutely sure your meat, milk, and medicines stay safe and cool in any power outage. Yours free at MySolarBackup.com. It's obvious the unthinkable continues. Most Americans know something very wrong is happening. People in charge keep telling you that everything's fine and to stop noticing. But you know better. That's why self-reliant folks are investing in emergency food storage. And you should, too. My Patriot Supply, the nation's largest emergency preparedness company, are the ones you can trust. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $200 on each three-month food kit you purchase. My Patriot Supply also sells solar generators, gravity-powered water filters, off-grid room heaters for when the power goes out, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m. and your items ship that same day and arrive quickly on your doorstep in unmarked boxes. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com today. Time is running out to prepare for what's coming. MyPatriotSupply.com 
Hey guys, why settle for poor quality Pouty Arco that's sold by stores and online resellers when you can get Tahibo Tea Club's original pure Pouty Arco Super Tea at drinksupertea.com or 818-965-9113. The Tahibo Tea Club's original pure Pouty Arco Super Tea is only available at drinksupertea.com. 818-965-9113. 818-965-9113. That's drinksupertea.com. Ever feel completely down on your luck, whether it's your career or just your life? Do you look at other people and wonder, why them, not me? I'm Kate Delaney. I did it. I admit it. I've learned some valuable and priceless lessons from some of the rock stars I've interviewed over the years, like Sir Richard Branson or the late, great John Madden, and I want to share them. Want to laugh? Want to learn? Want more out of life? Then pick up a copy of my book, Deal Your Own Destiny, Increase Your Odds, Win Big, and Become Extraordinary. Get it on Amazon today. as we head to the mailbag got a ton of the virtual stuff over the weekend you can send me thoughts on anything from A to Z as I like to say Kate at katedelaneyradio.com 24-7 this one from Mark who says Kate wow up up and away shot down <laughs> over the water in Myrtle Beach what a crazy thing the big fat balloon from china has been i mean them trying to tell us it just got off course you got to be kidding me imagine if it was reverse and the u.s had done a similar thing and you don't think this was serious why would the secretary of state cancel talks that he was going to have in china and obviously there are repercussions for what happened i mean once it was floating you gotta and it was over basically nuclear silos that we knew there was something up with that there's no no question about it um i just wonder how they thought we were not going to see that all you have to do is uh look up so of course it was smart to shoot it down you could make the argument it should have been shot down sooner but in the end it was shot down in a place that wasn't going to cause any problems for any americans which i think is uh important so i'm going to say i do back where it was shot down and this is a weird weird crisis all right i've just talked about that yeah it's um you know you think about the relationship is not thawing between china and the u.s and it's once this balloon crisis thing passes there maybe some of that low trust gets built back up I, you know i don't know uh kevin mccarthy the speaker of the house said china's never going to tell me where i can and can't go uh i have nothing scheduled over there right now because there was conversation about that what was going to happen mccarthy was saying that he might visit Taiwan when he became the Speaker of the House, seeking to demonstrate Washington's support for Taiwan against the threats from China, but he hasn't firmed up any sort of plans for that. So uh, watching what the Chinese leaders do and watching what will happen in the wake of this is it's going to play out in the next couple of days, the next couple of weeks. I mean, listen, if the U.S. started sending balloons or drones into China, 
come on, really? They're not going to. They're not going to do anything about them. They're not going to shoot them down. Of course, they're going to shoot them down. So we could tell them, oh, it just went off course. It's not a spy balloon. Give me a break. How many of you think it's not a spy balloon? Yeah, I thought so. Right? I thought so. All right, let's move to the next one. This one is from Jackie, and Jackie says, Kate, um, I like it when you do the lottery numbers. It's bizarre, the odds of winning, but um, I guess the Powerball jackpot has really started to ratchet up so more people will talk about it and play it. I think it's up to over 700 million, something like that anyway. 747 million, Jackie. No one won on Saturday night. So that means it goes up. And we keep talking about the prizes and the most ever and i mean it is a thing that you, it, it is a thing that we talk about because it's staggering to think of that amount of money and what it would mean if you if you opted for cash for example and you won that lottery you know how much money that would be they take the taxes out 403.1 million 403.1 million but the odds of winning this i'm going to say this again 1 in 200 and 92.2 million. <laughs> so the odds are stacked against you. I mean, if listen, if you plunk down a couple of dollars, who am I to tell people what to do? And it's just fun and you are anticipating, oh, maybe I'll get a couple of numbers. I mean, whatever. Somebody has to win it, right? I mean, that that is the bottom line. It, it, it is intriguing. And I will tell you, like I'm not a regular lottery player. I've said this before, but when it gets high... I do always get a ticket. I think it's 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 interesting to watch how how much it grows and ultimately how big that so the same thing I just said how how big that jackpot will be. I mean, I'll admit it. It's just like one of those things. And it's funny I'll, when I do it, I'll notice like people that I've never seen before in the mar, the, the local convenience store that I go in and they're in there and people are stopping and that, of course that's exactly what happens. All right. Here we go again, and this one is from Max, and he says, and he's right, Kate, I can't believe it. What is going on with these near misses with planes? There was another bizarre thing that happened, I guess, over the the weekend, and um, luckily nobody was hurt in this. Did you hear the thing from Austin, Texas, with this FedEx cargo plane trying to land and another plane that was, uh, I think it was a Southwest plane, and they almost collided? I did hear that story. So what was happening is the FedEx plane was trying to land. It was in Austin. You're right about that. It was on Saturday morning, and they had to change course because the second plane was cleared to go from the same runway. The pilot of the FedEx plane discontinued the landing and initiated what they call a climb out. The 767 cargo plane was miles from the airport when it was cleared to land. But just before it was expected to land, an air traffic controller gave the go-ahead for an airplane a southwest plane to take off for another plane so um the national transportation safety board this is becoming familiar described it as a possible runway incursion and overflight involving airplanes from southwest airlines and fedex now the southwest plane was able to depart 
safely. Um, and of course, they're investigating it. But that doesn't that doesn't inspire confidence. Let's put it that way. Because you just had you remember the thing at JFK? We had the American Airlines plane cross runway while a Delta plane was preparing to take off. The Delta plane stopped a thousand feet, about a thousand feet from where something like that, where the American plane had crossed from another taxiway. That would have been. That would have been disastrous. So I feel like now more than ever we're talking about this. You know, it's 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 um, it's it's crazy. All right, then this one was pretty interesting. This this one is from Peter. Kate, I live in Missouri, and boy, there were a lot of Amber Alerts or a lot of conversations um, about these kids that were abducted, and then they ended up being found in uh, a supermarket in in Florida. It's a very wild tale, and I can't imagine. I have a couple of kids, young kids. I can't imagine something like that uh, happening with them. You know what? It's um, it's weird. The kids were missing from a suburb of Kansas City since last March. That's the part you left out. Last March, they were. Uh, the two children were who were abducted had been missing for almost a year. Then all of a sudden, they're found in a Florida grocery store with their this is the key their non custodial mother who got taken into police custody. So Christy Gilly was arrested at, on an out of state fugitive warrant, and she's you know so she's in 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 jail. She they found Gilly and the two children in a Winn-Dixie supermarket after running a routine vehicle tag check that showed the vehicle's owner was a fugitive. That's how they nailed her. And this was close to Gainesville, Florida. So, you know, 22 miles, give or take. Uh, Hot Springs, Florida was the name of the place. And they had been missing that long. So, yeah, this is one of those disputey, dispute things that are terrible. Um it does, but here's the key. Whatever the parental rights are, having that happen for a year, yikes. Ooh, terrible. All right, um, here's one that uh, that I got. Very sad. Got this one from um, Tyrone who says, Kate, the, um, the Tyree Nichols death is, wow, just a gut check. I mean, it just kicks you right there. The fact that the Memphis police had set up a unit that was supposed to help with violence, but then they create violence. It is, um, it's sickeningly sad and I'm glad they disbanded it. It doesn't do much for the family, but at least I guess going forward, they know that this is a much I mean, this is this is disbanded, and and that there are people that will have to answer for this. But I think the healing there is going to take some time. I have a brother that lives uh, not too far out of the area in Memphis, and the fact that he was beaten by police after he ran from a traffic stop, and the footage that we all see, and then looking at what happened—the kicking, the punching, and the pepper spraying—and then sadly, ultimately, he dying is. Just um, him dying is just so un- unacceptable. Yeah, the the five officers and then some others that were also fired, but the five officers at the scene of the beating were fired and charged with second degree murder in connection with his death. We all know that, and you said it. The um, 
The Scorpion Unit is what it was called. It was uh, it was disbanded. All right, that wraps up this mailbag. You can send me your thoughts anytime, day or night, 24-7, kate at katedelaneyradio.com. I had no idea it would destroy my life. But before it happened, I had a successful business in Austin, Texas. Everyone laughed at me when I shut that business down, but I could not ignore the wake-up call. I was volunteering on a project to get locally grown food into a school. That project was a complete failure, and I discovered that there were few local farmers, there's only four days' worth of food in the grocery stores, and everything comes 1,500 miles via a just-in-time trucking system. I lost friends and family who told me I was crazy to worry about that, but I kept at it. I'm Marjorie Wildcraft. Those of us who know what's going on in the world know you need to become self-reliant before the dollar collapses. I've created a free webinar at GCNfood.com. I can show you, like I've shown hundreds of thousands of people, how to grow lots of food, even if you have no experience, you're older, or you're out of shape. Do it now before the stores are boarded up and food is not available at any price. Go to GCNfood.com. GCNfood.com. Thank you for listening to GCN. Be sure to visit GCNlive.com today. USA News Update. The beginning of 2024 has seen robust job growth, with the U.S. economy adding 353,000 jobs last month, nearly double the anticipated increase, according to the Labor Department. The unemployment rate remained steady at 3.7% in January. Toxicology reports released this week revealed that the three men found dead and frozen at a Kansas City Chiefs watch party had three times the lethal amount of fentanyl, along with cocaine and THC in their systems. The incident happened in the backyard of their friend Jordan Willis. Kansas City home on January 9th, two days after the game. Former President Trump is criticizing the United Auto Workers Union after it endorsed President Biden's re-election campaign. During an interview with Fox Business, Trump said he never engaged in discussions with the UAW regarding an endorsement. He referred to the union as a hopeless case and accused it of steering the car industry into the poorhouse. John Schaefer, USA News. I am a non-attorney spokesperson representing a team of lawyers who help people that have been injured or wronged. If you've been involved in a serious car, truck, or motorcycle accident, or injured at work, you have rights, and you may be entitled to money for your suffering. Don't accept an offer you get from an insurance company until you talk to a lawyer. And we represent some of the best personal injury lawyers you can find. Tough lawyers that will fight to win your case. And they're so good, they stake their reputation on it by only getting paid if you win. So if you've been in a serious car, truck, or motorcycle accident, or hurt on the job, find out today for free what kind of compensation you may be entitled to. Call the legal helpline right now. 800-524-3810. 800-524-3810. That's 800-524-3810. Wellness and self-care doesn't have to be complicated. 
So keep it simple and take good care of yourself with Sunny Bay Heating Pads. Our heating pads soothe pains in the neck, back, and shoulders while relaxing muscles and increasing blood circulation. Sunny Bay Heating Pads have always been made in the USA and hand-filled to perfection with the highest quality materials. Sunny Bay Heating Pads are the perfect wellness gift for loved ones or yourself. See all of our high-quality products at sunny-bay.com including heated body pads, neck pillows, heated neck and body wraps, and our stress-reducing lavender line. They're all affordable, durable, and in stock now and ready for immediate shipping direct from sunny-bay.com. Read our trusted, authentic, and real reviews at sunny-bay.com or just search for Sunny Bay Heating Pad. To your good health and wellness from Sunny Bay. such an interesting story imagine if your wife comes to you and says i want to ride the pacific crest trail that happened to him of course they both were excellent when it came to riding horses and doing adventurous things in the outdoors so we'll get to that story in just a minute but before we do i would be remiss not to tell you a little bit about his story what a career he certainly has had and i can understand why he and his wife lived an adventurous life out of doors for sure because of some of the things that happened uh being on a small ranch and also in his career think of alaska and think of being in Alaska and being the first construction worker at the Valdez terminal site of the Alaska pipeline. Wow. I can think of bears. I can think of incredible wildlife, but also I can think of being scared out of my mind. I'm sure Pat wasn't. So Pat, thanks for coming on. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. So we, we do have to tell the stories. What was that like being the first construction worker at this huge site on the Alaska pipeline. <laughs> it was an adventure in itself. The site itself obviously had people working on it to prepare it, at least doing topographic surveys and all the information they needed to design the facility. But when we got there, we went to a camp that was in the town of Valdez, a trailer camp. And uh, the first day of work, they took us by bus into town and took us to the boat harbor. We got off, you know, onto a unified uh, six-pack. That means it can carry six people. And they took us across the bay, which is uh, several miles. So that took, a, you know, 10, 15 minutes. They offloaded us onto a floating raft, basically. We put all our equipment on the raft and then put all our equipment into a rowboat. And we rowed ashore to do our first day's worth of work. Now, this is a billion-dollar contract. They had all the money in the world, and yet we're rowing ashore. It just, it was amazing to take the cruise. Oh, boy. Well, we could talk about it all day, but let's get to your other journey. And the book is called that, The Journey. And you talk about the Pacific Crest Trail. And how did this come about? How did Rhonda come up with this idea that she wanted to do it? 
Well, you know, we've been adventurous, and several years before this, he had embarked on a trail here in central Oregon that's called the Metolius Wendigo Trail, which is a 150-mile trail, taking you from one mountain pass and down into the valleys and along the route parallel to the highway system and then back up to the top of the mountains. And she rode that with several friends, not me, because I was working, but... She uh, did that trip, and that kind of got her started on knowing that she was capable of doing something like this and packing, you know, to carry your own supplies and, and what do you carry, planning and training herself and the horse to be able to, to do it. So that got it started. And then we had friends that had ridden a portion of the Pacific Crest Trail through the state of Oregon, roughly 450 miles. And they had, you know, and, and they were close friends. And so Rhonda had the opportunity to bounce ideas off these folks and understand just really what it took in terms of planning and preparation to embark on a trip of this nature. You know, you, you have anywhere from four to seven days at times that you're totally off any system at all other than the trail. And it's totally up to you, you know, to prepare yourself and to have all the food and fodder and horse supplies and everything you need to stay safe and have a good time. You know, and this is rugged and treacherous. Were you worried? I mean, you did part of it. Were you worried about her being out there by herself? Uh, you know, that's that's part of life. We, we separate all the time. You know, you could get hurt driving to work the next day. So, you know, yes, I worried about her and had those concerns, but I also had a lot of faith in her inner abilities to, to cope with most anything. And that was pretty much proven on her trip on the trail. She had several circumstances that took every bit of knowledge and wit and perseverance and courage to get her through it. Yeah. And she rode for 1,500 miles, which is amazing. You told me 15 miles a day for basically 100 days. And you were there for part of it. When you could be there, you were there. What was it like being on the horse, being with her when you could do it? And what kind of things, what, you know, what kind of nature did you see? It had to be beautiful. Oh, yes, it, it certainly was, although I didn't go on the most difficult portions. I'm, you know, I, I have the malady of being afraid of heights to some extent. So, you know, when we were out there riding together, she said, just look at the butt of the horse in front of you and don't look down. <laughs> so <laughs> it, uh, you know, it sometimes is that kind of a treacherous trail where you might, if you went off the trail, you might have 500 feet to go downhill in a rolling fashion, not walking, so... I enjoyed it thoroughly at riding with her. I wish I could have gone on more of the trip, but, you know, we took advantage of this opportunity to be together, and, you know, we knew we were getting close to the end, and it was just a really fun time to be together, even though, you know, the first two days were in rain. And, you know, finding a campsite and putting your horses up and making sure they're secure and, all those things, getting your tent and facilities put up and and weathering the storm is part of that trip. And it's interesting in deciding to do that trip. I mean, you both knew how to handle horses. You loved to, and you were adventurous, as I said, and you liked horseback riding as a couple, right? Oh, yes, absolutely. Uh, our house, I mean, our 
our life has been centered on, you know, our relationships with the horses. And, uh, you know, gladly so. And even though they're sometimes uh, problematic, uh, it's been a wonderful life to be able to have that relationship. Uh, horses are a unique animal. And uh, as you would probably find if you got online and studied it a little bit, there's a lot of horses now being used to uh, help people that have mental difficulties that they can relate to a horse easier than they can people. Yeah. What was her most difficult day on that, that journey? Uh, <laughs> well, there was several, but um, one was the, the day that she was riding uh, on the trail above Lake Tahoe through the top of the ridges, and uh, the horse, basically she had an accident with the horse. The horse got caught on some brush and backed up and uh, consequently went off the trail and rolled down the hill. And she had to rescue the horse and get him back on his feet, get all the supplies back on him, and he was injured severely. And uh, from then, she had to figure out, you know, communication with me to say, I've got to come off the trail. And luckily, she had a hiker there that had witnessed all of this, and he helped her uh, accomplish what needed to be done in order for her to get back down to civilization, and we could tend to the horse's problems that he had as through his injuries. So that was probably one of the most difficult times for her. Not only did she have to do all of that, the horse also trampled her on the way back up on to the trail, and she separated her collarbone from her sternum. And so she came out riding the horse for 10 miles uh, while injured herself, and we had to take her to the hospital that night. Wow. In writing that story and then writing all the wonderful things that happened and just what a determination and bravery and courage and everything that's uh, mixed in with that, how fun was this for you to put pen to paper, so to speak, and and come up with the journey? You know, when we, she first asked me, I wasn't all that hot to do it. Uh, I knew how troublesome it was going to be in terms of the logistics of just providing the food and, and transportation to move our crew, basically, from one spot to the other. But after a while, I got to thinking about it, and I said, well, you know, it's going to be an adventure. Why not do it? And obviously, it was an adventure. Uh, I love meeting so many people along the trail when I was by myself and Rhonda was up on the mountains. And I'd stop over and chat with the nearest person who might be camping or just walking or whatever they might be doing, you know, and sometimes it was store owners, sometimes it was forestry people, but there was always an occasion for me to, you know, be social and just enjoyed it thoroughly. What do you hope people, Pat, take away from reading your book, The Journey, which you can get on Amazon or Barnes & Noble? Well, you know, I had some people write me after they'd read the book, and I'm going to just quote this because they have a lot of meaning to me. These were testimonials from people that uh, had been through the book. Uh, One was, loved the book, loved your style of writing, can't say enough good things about it. 
another one, a delightful story of grit, determination, and labor of love. And let's see, the last one was from somebody I'd never known, and uh, he had read the book and sent me a letter and said, through humor, pathos, and clarity, the author takes readers on an unforgettable journey where they can experience the heartbreak, trials, and triumphs of this extreme adventure riding the PCT. It's a fascinating read, one that I found hard to put down until the journey's end. Uh, Perfect place to end this. Pat, thank you so much for coming on. All right. Thank you, Kate. I appreciate it very much. My name is Milan Vukovic. Ten years ago, I got frustrated with the quality of Pau Diarco tea sold in the stores. So, I founded the Pau Diarco Tea Club that now ships our super tea to over 100 countries. You, too, can order or get info about the original pure Pau Diarco super tea at www.drinksupertea.com or by calling 818-965-9113. Why settle for less when you can order original Pure Pau Diarco and drink Super Tea for only $34.95 per pound plus shipping? Each pound makes 300 cups, which is the equivalent of 12 cents per cup for the original Pure Pau Diarco Super Tea. Order now at www.drinksupertea.com. That's drinksupertea.com or by calling 818-965-9113, that's drinksupertea.com, or by calling 818-965-9113. The final phase of extermination is set to commence now. And as population die-off becomes evident, you know it is the time of punishment in all that is written. The cover for mass die-off is evolution and global warming frauds, also used as false proof of their Christ. They are from the lines that were disinherited 2,000 years ago. Now they claim to be his Christ based upon blood type, DNA, and long lifespan. Go to unveilingthem.com. That's U-N-V-E-I-L-I-N-G them.com. Get healthy, not high, with 100% pure CBD, powerful natural pain relief from Veterans Vitality. GCN listeners, have you ever thought about how CBD may help you? I'm sure you have heard about the many benefits of CBD. Well, here's your opportunity to try before you buy. Created by veterans and for everyone who deserves better choices, our CBD is derived from organic hemp, grown in the USA, and third-party tested. Veterans Vitality CBD saves you as much as 25 to 50% over our competition, and a portion of all sales is contributed to veterans nonprofits and events. Many of our customers have experienced improved quality of life, help with anxiety, PTSD, and overall well-being. Our products do not contain THC. They are safe, non-addictive, effective, and 100% legal. GCN listeners, get your free trial bottle of premium CBD by simply paying shipping and handling at GCNFreeCBD.com. That's GCNFreeCBD.com. Again, GCNFreeCBD.com. Offered by Veterans Vitality Premium CBD. 
What if you could cut your heating bills this winter with your existing wood-burning fireplace and not spend thousands doing it? You can with Great Wall of Fire Fireplace Grates. Our U.S. patented, made-in-America Wall of Fire Grates increase fireplace efficiency, eliminate fireplace smoke problems, and come with a 30-day money-back guarantee. See our grates in action and get free shipping from walloffire.com or call 800-274-7364. Fireplace heat without fireplace smoke. Walloffire.com. in our virtual green room. He has had such an interesting career. He worked in publishing and advertising for over 40 plus years. So in that role, art director, graphic designer, illustrator, writer, what I think is really cool is his ties to the New York Times. He has a book, the New York Times Home Repair Almanac and Tiling the Installation Handbook. I mean, how do you write for the New York Times in the home improvement area? I know growing up in that area, how critical people can be. So to write a column like that for the New York Times would be absolutely amazing. And he's written a novel that we're going to talk about called Werewolf on Madison Avenue. Ed, thanks for joining us. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thank you for inviting me. So you got to tell us the New York Times story. How'd that happen? Well, I after I got out of the Air Force, uh, I was a missile launch officer. I was got into the art field, and I was doing illustration. And one of my clients was the New York Times, and I, I did technical illustration and scientific illustration. And I was illustrating the column for Home Improvement. And um, all of a sudden, the uh, writer of the column took off. He, he resigned. He decided he didn't want to do the column, and the New York Times was looking for a writer. Well, when I was in college, I minded in English, so I stepped up to the plate and asked if I could do it. Because I had a background not only in uh, illustration and art and writing, but I was also involved in the theater, and I was a stage carpenter at one time. So I figured I had enough background that I could do this, so they gave me the chance, and uh, then the rest was history. I was able to do the column for five years. The only reason why I'm not doing it now is because the New York Times has gone on hard times, and they're no longer publishing independent columns like the home improvement, chess, photography, and cooking, and so on. Yeah, but that had to be a fun experience for you, was it? It was a fun experience, and it was also a learning experience, because even though I had experience in home improvement and industrial carpentry, I realized that when you write about something, you have to be able to tell people how to do it. It's not enough to do it yourself. (laughs) So all of a sudden I found out myself I had to be not just a writer, but also a researcher. So putting together the columns was quite a task. It was enjoyable. But after five years, I felt as though we had done everything we could do. So it was just as well as the column uh, terminated. Yeah. And before we talk about your your novel, we have this really interesting character, Jeff Foxlove. You worked in advertising, so you know what the advertising industry was like and some of the crazy uh, people who, who really were part of that. You worked on ad campaigns and whatnot. What what was that experience like for you? 
Well, to tell you the truth, I worked as a freelancer, and I did not work for the big agencies like Jay Walter Thompson, Y&R, Doyle Dane, or BBD. No, I worked for a lot of the smaller agencies. And when you work for the smaller agencies, they uh, they have a, a lesser products. To, they don't have the big name products to work with. So they say these people sometimes got overzealous, and they actually kind of bend the rules of truth a little bit. Um, I didn't work constantly with him. I would come in occasionally, and that gave me a chance to see the world of advertising from an outsider's perspective at the same time by being in it. And so I ran into some rather interesting characters whom I will not mention, but anyway, um, uh, <laughs> for obvious reasons. But anyway, so as I was writing the column for the New York Times, somehow I got the idea of, of thinking, if I ever sit down to write a novel, I would like to write about advertising. Advertising, but I would like to put a, a glitch into it, a twist into it, a little wrinkle, and that was the werewolf idea. So um, even though I had an experience in advertising, <laughs> I haven't known many werewolves in my time. <laughs> Neither have I. So talk about your book, Werewolf on Madison Avenue. Tell us about the story of Jeff Foxlove and what, what happens to him. Well, uh, if you think about the uh, monsters, there are the five big monsters, Dracula, Frankenstein, the werewolf, the invisible man, and the creature from the Black Lagoon. And all of them, except the werewolf, are full-time monsters. But the werewolf is unusual because he's only a monster one night of the year, uh, one night of the month, uh, and that's the night of the full moon. So he can be a monster and also keep his day job. And that's really what this is about. Jeff Foxlove is a young man. He's just out of college, and he wants to get into advertising. And he's read the high-minded end of advertising from, De- uh, from Ogilvy's book, The Confessions of an Advertising Man. And he really wants to get into to sell product and to do a good job. Unfortunately, he falls into a lesser advertising agency where the um, uh, owner of the agency is also the creative director. And his, he, there's no bounds to his tastelessness. And um, so he takes Jeff Fox Love under his wing and uh, makes him a, a, a raunchy copywriter. Well, it's all right for a while, but Jeff, on a vacation in the Yucatan, runs into the creature of the night and becomes a werewolf. And he comes back to New York thinking everything is okay again, but then he becomes a werewolf on the night of the full moon. And the next morning he's filled with remorse. He wants to give himself up. But his boss tells him, no, his boss doesn't want to lose a good copywriter. So he tells him, okay, I'll find a way to keep you from going out on the night of the full moon and becoming a predator. Not only does he do that, but he realizes that now that he's got a full-fledged werewolf on his hands, he can use the werewolf to advertise various products, shaving cream, hair, uh, shampoo, and so on. It works for a while, except for one thing. The werewolf, by its very nature, must kill. And so we have to see. And so we, uh, the story takes place, it uh, goes on to say, can the werewolf survive as a werewolf and yet still be a copywriter? It goes to an ending, which I think the readers will find very surprising. Ooh, so it's so interesting because you've combined lots of humor. You have you have such a great sense of humor. You can see it is certainly weaved in the book and horror. And um, it had to be fun for you to write this, was it? it? It was fun. It was fun exploring the character and combining the eccentricities of the advertising world with the uh, predatory nature of a true monster and making them come together and then seeing if he could resolve this in a different kind of ending. I might say that uh, I appreciate your comments, and I, of course, think the book is very good, but I'm not the only one. The Seattle Book Review just gave me a five-star review uh, rating for the book, so... Uh, 
it's getting good reviews. Nice. Will you write another novel? Yes, I'm in the process. I've just finished another novel called um, Visions of Destiny, and it's about a man who can see into the future. A very average, ordinary person, but he has the gift of getting glimpses into the future. Now, that might seem like a wonderful gift, but if we remember the um, uh, mythological legend the Greek from Greek mythology of Cassandra, the prophetess of doom, uh, sometimes it turns out badly, and this is the way it turns out for Henry Gainsworth. He has these visions, but when he reveals them, people become very wary and even afraid of him, and he goes through life in this way, and uh, it has another bittersweet ending. The book is in the final editing stage now. I don't expect it to be actually in print until the middle of March. Nice. Werewolf on Madison Avenue, you can pick that up on Amazon or Barnes & Noble, and I would be remiss not to ask you about this, because uh, the Natural History Museum in New York, I think, is one of the great yeah. gems in the United States, and you spend time volunteering there. I'm waiting for your uh, dinosaur book to come out. What's that like? <laughs> <laughs> that's a long. That's a long wait. Uh, yes, I was up at the museum yesterday. I, I work at the. Uh, I'm a gallery explainer, and I'm up on the fourth floor. Usually on Tuesdays, Wednesdays, sometimes Thursdays in the afternoon. And if you want to know anything about dinosaurs, uh, you can come up and ask me. I won't be able to answer everything about dinosaurs, but um, I'm fairly fluent, and I've been doing that for over 20 years. Um, uh, but I'm not going to write a book about it. There's too many good <laughs> books out there by too many authorities. Uh, so you'll have to wait for that, unless I can figure out a way of making a fiction book out of it. Yeah. Who knows? Yeah, what made you decide to do that? Because to, to, obviously you were busy. You had your hands full with everything else you were doing. What made you decide you were going to uh, volunteer, and, and you've done it now for decades? Well, yes. Uh, what happened was uh, I started as an artist, and I used to go up to the museum. It's a great place to draw the animals because they don't move. And um, uh, then I felt out, I joined the museum so that I could go there anytime I wanted. And then I got the um, newsletter, and they were looking for volunteers and to explain dinosaurs. The dinosaurs hall had been closed for a few years where they were renovating it and reorganizing it. So they opened it up again, and they were looking for volunteers to explain dinosaurs. And I thought that might be interesting just to volunteer to do something. I'm not very good at volunteering like in a hospital or something like that. But it might be something to... Uh, bring my talents, however limited they are, to useful purposes. And so that's what I did. I've been volunteering. I've been doing it. And I really like it. The museum is a wonderful place to be. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Ed Lipinski, Werewolf on Madison Avenue. Thank you so much uh, for joining us oh, on the show. Thank you very much for inviting me. It's my pleasure, I can assure you. All right, so interesting his story. I really, really like the idea of what he did as I go back to the book, Werewolf on Madison Avenue, of talking about werewolves and in the cutthroat world of advertising and combining that there really is a lot of humor weaved in this, and his main character, Jeff Foxlove, is fascinating. So thanks to Ed for coming on the show and all of you for listening to this version of it.
Ever feel completely down on your luck, whether it's your career or just your life? Do you look at other people and wonder, why them, not me? I'm Kate Delaney. I did it. I admit it. I've learned some valuable and priceless lessons from some of the rock stars I've interviewed over the years, like Sir Richard Branson or the late, great John Madden, and I want to share them. Want to laugh? Want to learn? Want more out of life? Then pick up a copy of my book, Deal Your Own Destiny, Increase Your Odds, Win Big, and Become Extraordinary. Get it on Amazon today. The Tahibo Tea Club's original pure Pouty Arco Super Tea naturally builds good cells and kills bad cells. So it's great for healthy people, and it can truly be miraculous for someone fighting an infection, diabetes, or cancer. To order, visit drinksupertea.com or call 818-965-9113. That's drinksupertea.com, 818-965-9113, drinksupertea.com.